This morning I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 and that's found on page 811 in the Black Bibles around the room. When I'm finished, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. And in response, we'll say, thanks be to God, which is just our way of expressing thanksgiving that we have God's word and he has revealed himself to us through it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word and thank you for all of those who are here today. Lord, we thank you so much for your provision for us. Lord, and we ask that you would search our motivations and our desires. Reveal to us all those areas in which our hearts are not aligned with yours, Lord. We pray that you would open our ears to your truth that you would quiet our minds, that we may hear your voice. God, be with Pastor Kyle as he preaches from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Donica. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy fall. Yesterday was fall, right? It's here. It's been feeling like it's here for a little while. Um, My name is Kyle. If you're a guest, welcome to Living Stones. It really is a privilege to have you. One of the things that we really believe at this church is we believe in going through the Bible. And uh, the reason for that is God has revealed himself in the Bible. And the deepest longing of our heart is to know and belong to God. And so that's why we're pumped about the Bible. And what we typically do is we go through books of the Bible at a time. Right now we're going through the Sermon on the Mount in the middle of the book of Matthew. And we're going through verse by verse, which is Matthew's chapter five, six, and seven. So if you didn't have a Bible open for what we just did, make sure to grab one right now. And uh, open up to Matthew chapter 6 in those Bibles, and that's on page 811. So we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we've called it the beautiful way. Because in this sermon, Jesus is showing us the beautiful way to live. And he's confronting all the ways in which we live in non-beautiful ways. And he's calling us to live as he would live. And it got me thinking of uh, something I heard at my house um, a few, about a month and a half ago. It was my daughter. She says, look at me, daddy. Look at me. I'm cleaning my room. And she said this after I had asked my boys to clean their room and they weren't cleaning their room. And so then she goes and she starts cleaning a room and she says, look at me. I'm cleaning my room. Now, I know, I saw right through that as a dad, right? And anybody who's been a parent, you guys know what I'm talking about. I see right through that. I know she wasn't doing that because she really wanted a clean room. She was doing because she was trying to get praise. She was trying to establish herself as better than her brothers. And uh, you guys know that you've seen this if if you've had children, multiple children. 
Now, the thing is, is we don't really grow out of it. Um, as adults, we still have that look at me kind of attitude, but we just get more sophisticated with our phraseology and more cunning with our practices. But deep in our heart, we want the world to look at us. And this is a major problem in the church. It's a major problem in religion. Because one of the things we do is we do good things, but we're not doing it for good reasons. And this is exactly what Jesus is confronting um, in this text. If you look right there at verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Jesus is confronting this idea of doing right things for the wrong reasons. And what he gives us as that, that uh, first verse is kind of an overview verse for the next several paragraphs. And so what Jesus is about to do in his sermon is he's about to confront three examples of righteous living in which the people are partaking in those ways uh, for the wrong reasons. The first one is, pr- uh, is giving to the needy. It's a good thing to give to the needy, but it's bad if you do it for the wrong reasons. And then next week we'll talk about how he addresses how we pray and how we fast. So um, the big idea as we talk about giving to the, the needy today and Jesus confronting our motive to give to the needy, the big idea is this. Real giving is about giving, not getting. And when you make it about getting, it's not really giving. And that's basically what Jesus is trying to drive home into his people's hearts. Real giving is about giving, not getting. And when you make it about getting, it's not really giving. And so we're going to look at six observations from this little paragraph today. So six points. The first point is this. Jesus expects his people to practice righteousness. Look at verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Jesus says, just beware of practicing your righteousness because he says it as if he knows you're already doing that. And and this is very important because we have a tendency to see the hypocrisy of religious people and to say, well, I don't want to be like that. So then we just throw obedience and righteousness out the door. But Jesus is saying, no, if you're going to be one of my people, you're going to live a life that is righteous. Um, you do not get saved or forgiven by your good works. Amen? We are saved by grace and grace alone. We are saved by faith in Christ and faith alone. But as Martin Luther says, uh, you're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves never remains alone. If you do believe in Jesus, it will produce good works. Now, it may take a while, It may take a season of years for you to say, wow, I'm really actually starting to walk in line with Jesus. But there's no such thing as being a Christian and not wanting to live righteously. Um, And that needs to be said. Because a lot of people bear the name of Christ. They wear crosses on their necks. But they have no interest in following Jesus' ways. But the the path of discipleship is a costly path. You cannot just say, yeah, I like Jesus, but not want to follow him. That just means you like the idea of Jesus. Um, People call this nominal Christianity. That means you're a Christian by name only, and that's it. Jesus is calling his followers to be genuine, bona fide Christians. And when you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
The Bible describes that as a seed. When that seed plants into your fertile heart, it will produce fruit. It will produce works, works of righteousness. Okay, so that's the first observation is that Jesus expects his people to practice righteousness. And one way he expects the righteousness to play out is through generosity. So my second point is this. Real Christianity leads to real generosity. So look at what he says in verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Notice that he says, when you give to the needy. He doesn't say, if you give to the needy. If you are a real Christian, you will see the generous nature of God towards you. And it will produce in you a heart that wants to be generous towards others. If you're a real Christian. Scary phrase. Because it it causes us to have a lot of self-examination with our selfishness. Christianity, or you could say this, the Christian life is about making visible invisible spiritual realities. The invisible spiritual realities of the gospel are are this, that God is a benevolent God who loves to give to people who have nothing to offer in return. That's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that you have nothing to offer God. You have nothing to impress him, yet he still loves you. And he still is gracious towards you. And he's still merciful towards you. And he still wants to bestow on you his love even when you screw up all the time. And so the way that the Bible talks about receiving forgiveness is it says that we are poor in God's presence and yet God gives us Christ and makes us rich. And so if you're a real Christian, if you've embraced that reality, then you're going to visibly demonstrate that in practical ways. If you've understand that God has been benevolent towards you, even though you had nothing to offer, it means that you will be benevolent towards others, even though they have nothing to offer. So linked hand in hand with God's people has always been believing and being saved by God and then that producing being generous to the poor. So for example, in Leviticus chapter 15, God commanded his people that they could reap their harvest, but they couldn't reap the edges of their harvest because they had to leave that for the poor and the sojourner and the widow. Um, in Deuteronomy 15, 11, it's going to be on the screen. God says, uh, he says this, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Just, I think that's interesting. We live in a fallen world in which there's always going to be poor. Um, Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. God expects that because he's opened up his hand of grace towards you, you're always opening up your hand of grace towards others. Okay, the next verse I'd like to read is from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs um, 14.31 says this, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker because he's made in God's image. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 19.17 says this, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. As we read in Isaiah for confession that God expects his worship to be caring for the poor, you can also see this in the book of Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel 16.49, look at what God says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, excessive food, and prosperity prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. 
And in that passage, God is rebuking his people. Now, I think it's interesting he says that about Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, A lot of people think that Sodom and Gomorrah got smited for their sexual sin. And that was only part of it. What God says he was really upset about is they weren't caring for the poor. And so what we see here is hand in hand, if you understand how gracious God has been towards you, you're gonna be gracious towards others. And even more so in the New Testament. In Acts chapter two, people saw that Jesus gave everything for them. So they started selling their possessions, their homes, their donkeys, you know, their BMWs. They just started selling it all so that they could care for those who had needs. In Acts chapter 15, there's a council that's taken when people who were non-Jewish started becoming Christians and they wanted to know how to live. And the three commands were, well, don't uh, participate in idol worship. Don't live in sexual immorality and care for the poor, which was the very thing they said they were eager to do. And so what it shows us is hand in hand, real Christianity always leads to real generosity. If you are a Christian, you cannot live a life for yourself and yourself alone. The Holy Spirit will not let that happen because God is a generous God. And if God is in your heart, he will produce in you a heart for others. And the reason being is because by giving to the poor, you're making spiritual realities visible. It's like an x-ray. Last year, I broke my arm and uh, got an x-ray and it was so cool. You're like, whoa, there's like all these bones in your wrist and your hand. I mean, it just, it makes visible all these, uh, these things that were invisible to us. Well, when Christians are giving to the poor, we're showing the world God is a God who is generous and gracious and merciful. And that's what we're, we're making visible, invisible realities. And that whether we like it or not, people are drawing conclusions based on how we act and live. Some of you are in here and you're not a Christian and you actually have a problem with Christianity because you've seen Christians and you, you've seen how, what they're, how they're living doesn't line up with what the Bible says and that really bothers you as it should. And so therefore you're drawing conclusions based on their behavior about God. And church, this is what people are doing all the time. And so if we're not caring for the poor, what are we saying about God? We're saying that he's not generous, that he only helps those who can help himself, which is not true. God helps those who have nothing to offer in return because he's a gracious and benevolent God. So that's why it's important for us to give to. So my question for you is simply this, are you doing this? Are you giving to the poor? Do you care about the poor? Um, God calls Christians to give in two ways. He calls us to give to the worship of his people, which is called a tithe. And he calls us to give to the poor, which is called offerings. And so from when you get a paycheck, the first thing that Christians should be thinking about is giving to God's worship, tithing, and giving to the poor, offering. But isn't it true that most of the time when we get a paycheck or some extra money, we're like, What's the next vacation I can go on and how can I get more toys? And God is calling us to change. He's calling us to change. So what does this look like for you? Well, the first thing I'd say is this. We talked about this in our community group this last week. Giving takes planning. If you try to live your life willy-nilly with your finances, you're never, you're gonna, you're always like, I just have nothing, it's all gone. I have nothing to give. Well, giving takes planning. And I know some of you young people, college students, maybe teenagers, you're like, your whole life is lived willy-nilly. And I get that. But as a Christian, it's time to grow up. As a Christian, it's time to say, okay, I love Jesus. Because I love Jesus and Jesus cares for the poor, I need to plan so I can give to the poor too. That's the life I want to live. And it takes planning. 
So you, it, it's, it's not going to happen if you try to have a willy-nilly leftover lifestyle. You need to plan this on the front end. And I would suggest that if you want good places to give, that you give to an organization that really does care for the poor and help out real problems. Sometimes it's hard to give to individuals because we don't know what their situation is. And sometimes God will ask you to do to that. But I think over and all, there's lots of great organizations like the Northern Nevada Food Bank, Compassion International, the Reno Sparks Gospel Mission. Um, there's lots of great organizations that are caring for the poor that if you gave to them, that would be a really practical and great way to do this. So maybe you need to start. Okay, so that's my second observation. Real Christianity leads to real generosity. The third observation from this text is this. Not all giving is real giving. Not all giving is real giving. Look at what Jesus says. He says, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. So one of two things is happening here. Um, either this was an actual thing that was happening where they would sound trumpets and that's when people would give to the needy. So what it would look like is this. The synagogue, the place of worship was in the middle of town. It was also like a community center. And so some people think that what would happen is they would sound a trumpet and that's when all the poor people would come. And then everybody who wanted to give to the needy would race there and give their give out to the poor. But it was more like, you know, you're racing there, you're walking really briskly to try to show people publicly how much you really care, okay? So that's one of the others. Or Jesus is speaking more like in hyperbole and uses an example where he just knows people's hearts that when they give with their right hand, they have a trumpet in their left hand. And they're blowing this trumpet saying, basically tooting their own horn, saying, look at me, I'm awesome. Now, Jesus is saying that's not real giving. If you're trying to, if you give in order to get praise, it's not real giving. If your giving is about getting, it's not real giving. Um, now, there's two places that we try to get praise when we give. One of the ways is we try to get praise from other people. We, we give in such a way where we want other people to notice. Feels good to get some positive press every once in a while, doesn't it? And then the other place that we get praise is from our own hearts. Some of you are like, no, I'm not like that. I don't want to get praise from other people. But every time you give, you make that little check in your heart and you're like, I'm pretty awesome. That's not real giving either because you've made it all about getting. And so Jesus calls these people who do this, he calls them hypocrites. And the word for hypocrite, this was written in Greek. And the classical word that's used here in classical Greek was also used for actors in plays. And in their day, when they acted, they didn't put on makeup for their transformation. They put on a mask. And so what Jesus is saying is when you're giving in order to get praise from others or from yourself, you're just putting on a mask. It looks like you're being generous, but you're just being selfish. It's not real giving. It's not real giving. You're just, you're just bluffing. I know you all play poker. It's like, you know, you're playing Texas Hold'em and you got a 7-2 offsuit. You really got nothing, but you're betting all in and you're trying to convince everybody that you got something. And Jesus knows you got nothing. You got nothing. So when we give in order to get praise from others or from ourselves, it's just a mask. It's just a bluff. It's not real giving. And so how might be some ways in which we try to trumpet our own praises? You might not carry around a trumpet, but we do this in subtle ways, don't we? So when we give to the poor, sometimes we'll slip it casually into a conversation. 
like, oh yeah, my church is doing this this drive for Sepulveda, and yeah, you know, we spent seventy five dollars buying, you know, buying them some school supplies. You just slip that in because you want them to be like, wow, you're really generous. I didn't even spend seventy five dollars on my own kids, you know. Um, we did that envelope drive. You guys remember when we did that at the beginning of summer? We put 300 envelopes on the wall, numbered them 1 to 300. And if we got all the money, it was $31,000. We gave every cent of that away. But I remember which envelopes were taken first. Which ones? The top row. Just imagine. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. You go out, everybody rushes out. What, you don't want to be seen grabbing the bottom row. You, know? you want to be seen grabbing the top row. You're like, I can't reach. Can you grab this one for me? The highest one. Or maybe some other ways. You put that envelope, you know, out on your dashboard. And you want every, you know, it's just there as a reminder, quote unquote. But it's really for other people to see your generosity. Or maybe you uh, give to Compassion International, which is an organization that cares for kids uh, who don't have food and, and some basic necessities. And you put their picture on your fridge to remind you to pray, but also so your neighbors can see how generous of a person you really are. We do this, don't we? Come on, I know I'm not the only one. And when we do it, we're being hypocrites. When we do it, we're bluffing. We're wearing a mask. It's not real giving because we're concerned honestly with getting. Um, Now, I know that sometimes it's weird. We feel like we have this war going on in our soul. On one hand, we really do want to pray for people and give. But on another hand, the sin inside of us loves to get praise. And that is the battle. Um. Real giving is not about getting, okay? So what is real giving? My fourth point, selfless giving is real giving. Or you could say secret giving is real giving. Look at how Jesus instructs us to give in verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is very simple. Kind of confusing a little though. What does it mean for my left hand to not know what my right hand is doing? Like, do I have to just stuff it in my pocket all the time, you know? Like, what's he saying? He's saying when you're giving, you want to give in such a way where your left hand doesn't even know that something happened. The right hand was an act of, that, that was the hand that rep- represented your actions. And so what he's saying is instead of giving where other people can notice, don't give that way. Give in such a way where you're not looking to get other people to notice. And then instead of giving where even yourself can notice to give yourself praise, don't give, don't give in such a way where even yourself can give praise. Give selflessly. Give in a way that's not looking for praise. It's that simple. Um, so on to the next point. <laughs> it's, that, it's that easy. When we give, when we're giving to the just don't be looking for praise. Don't be looking for other people to give you praise and don't be looking to give yourself praise. Because real giving is secret giving. So on to the fifth point. In giving, everyone gets the reward they want. So Jesus contrasts two things. He says here, don't give as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Then skip down to verse four. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus is saying, You're either living your life for the pleasure and approval of others or you're living your life for the pleasure and approval of God. Those are the only two options. You're either living living for the praise of others or the praise of God. 
And if you're living for the praise of others and you're being generous, you're going to get praise. People are going to say, wow, you're such a godly person. You're so righteous. I mean, you're so generous. Wow, wow, they're going to pump you up. And that's all you're going to get. That's it. You'll get your reward, but that's it. But if you give in secret, if your giving is not concerned with yourself giving you praise or others, the reward is, is that God sees. God knows. And that's really encouraging because some of you have been Christians for a long time and you know how it is. You're like, I'm just slugging away. I'm giving to the poor. I'm, I'm helping out. I'm trying to do the right thing. It's really hard. I wish somebody would notice every once in a while. I'd feel a little good. You don't have to worry about that because God notices. And that's the reward is you're free. You're free from trying to perform for others because you know that God sees and God cares and God loves. And that's, you don't have to go looking for it because you already have it. And so if you compare the two of them, seeking the pleasure of humans or seeking the pleasure of God, which is better? For sure, the pleasure of God. The pleasure of humans is fickle. It's here one day and gone another. And this happened for Jesus too, right? On Sunday, they said, Hosanna, make you king. And then on Friday, they said, crucify him. Same crowd. Because the approval of people is fickle. But the approval of God is eternal. Um, If you compare uh, other people, always want to be impressed. God's not looking to be impressed. He just sees what you're doing in secret. People, the thing about trying to live for people is uh, you always have to do something more than what you did last time. So if you give a big donation, uh, you know, they're going to be like, oh, wow, wow, wow. But if you give the same donation again, they're like, oh, that's old news. They want a bigger one. And that's exhausting because you're always living life to impress people. But God, first of all, knows you can't impress him. He's like, I created everything. You think you're going to impress me? (laughs) Like the stars, everything. He just... He just loves the fact that you're being faithful. And that's much better. Um, The pressure's off. You're free. Lastly, when you give uh, and you're trying to be noticed by people, that's that's living for little things and living for uh, the approval of a little thing rather than when you're giving and, and you're just living for God. God is much bigger. And if you think about it in terms of like which one's compliments mean more, hopefully it's God because of his status. If you're working in a big corporation and your coworker is sitting next to you and they're like, wow, you're such a good worker. On one hand, you're going to be like, that feels really good that you've noticed. Thanks. But you're also going to be like, what do you want from me? (laughs) This is suspicious. Because when they're at the same level as you, their compliment doesn't mean the same thing. Now, if the CEO of the company flew into town just to come and identify you and to put you in front of the employees and says, wow, you're really a good worker. Thanks for serving the company. You're going to feel so much more honored. Same words are said, but the difference is is the status of the person giving the compliment. And so when you're living for people giving you praise over here, you're just living for a small thing. But if you could understand how great it is that the Father in heaven is looking at your faithfulness and saying, well done, good and faithful servant, that, that matters way more than any praise that anybody can give you. Therefore, you don't need to live for the praise of others. 
So living for God is way better. So in Jesus saying this, he's inviting us to an examination of our motives. He expects that we're being generous to the poor, but he's asking us to every single time we do it, to ask the question, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for others? Am I doing it for me? Or am I doing it for God? Now to the sixth point. We embrace real giving only when we accept the Father's giving. The heart of the passage is simple. The reason that we do silly things like want praise from others for righteous acts is because at the core of our soul, every one of us wants to be justified. Every one of us wants to be declared right. Everybody wants to be acknowledged as good. And every one of us wants to be, every one of us wants to belong. And so we think, we, we have that, that's like, that's the, that's the pit of our heart. Is we want to belong, we want to be declared, you're good, you're right. And so we think, if we do enough public works of righteousness, people will declare that about us. You're good, you're right, you're acceptable. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to live into something that God has already offered for us freely in Christ Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. God looks at you and says, you're right, you're good, and with me you belong. And it has nothing to do with your works. It's simply because of my love. Therefore, when you really get that, you don't have to try to seek it from others. And I want to draw your attention to two words. It's the same word in two places that that Jesus says. In verse 2 and verse 4, Jesus says, your Father in heaven. Jesus knows that the only way for you to live generously towards others is if you accept the love that your Father in heaven is freely offering you. When you know, just like with my kids, when my daughter was saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, I wanted to say to her, you know that I don't love you any more or less based on whether you clean your room. You know that I just love you because you're my daughter, right? I mean, if you could just accept that, you wouldn't feel the need to say, look at me. And God says the same thing to every one of us. If you could just accept the fact that I love you because I love you, that I love you in spite of your works, then you'll be free. First of all, you'll have courage to give because you know that I'm your father and I'm going to take care of you. Isn't one of the reasons we don't give to others is because we're afraid that we're not going to have enough for ourselves. But if you know that God is your loving father in heaven, you know that as a loving father, he's not going to leave you hanging. When I go camping with my son, I don't show up and say, where's the food? I'm the father. I bring the food. He needs to know that when we go camping, he doesn't have to worry about where we're going to get our next meal. Because as the father, I've already prepared that. And so God is inviting you into generosity knowing that he will care for every one of your needs because he is your father. So you can be courageous. Also, when you know that God is your father and you accept his love, you're going to be freed from all your insecurities. You won't need to seek the praise of others because you know that you belong to God. And nothing is better than belonging to God. Now, I know that's really hard for a lot of us in this room because let's be honest our relationships with our earthly fathers were based on performance. And you you might be saying, that's hard for me to hear 
because my dad only loved me when I did X, Y, and Z. Or my dad wasn't even there to give me love. I don't even know what this love of the Father is like. Well, Jesus is calling you to pay attention to how he shows us the love of the Father. The Father in heaven is not like your earthly father. And even if you had a good earthly father, the Father in heaven's love is much greater than his. God's love for you is as, as our heavenly father is unconditional. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've come here to show you the heart of the father. And the heart of the father is shown to us most vividly in the cross that God is willing to go all the way to the pit of hell just that we would belong to him. And so if you ever doubt that God loves you and he's going to provide for you, you just need to look to the cross. Because in the cross, Jesus is saying, this is how much the father in heaven loves you. He's willing to give up everything to bring you home. So when you accept that, you're free. And some of you are tired of doing religious acts. You may be even contemplating leaving religion altogether. You're, you're contemplating leaving Christianity. And that's because you're not resting in the Father. Some of you are here as guests. And you live your life frantically trying to gain approval from others and you're enslaved. Jesus is offering you freedom today. Because when you accept him, you belong to the Father. And some of you have been giving and doing righteous deeds, but it's only been for yourself. You're not blowing the trumpet so other people can hear, but you're definitely tooting your own horn. And today you get to stop. Because God sees what you do in secret. And he loves you just the same no matter what. This is what God calls us to in the gospel. So let's pray. God, help us. First of all, forgive us for ways in which we aren't generous with the possessions that you've given us. Forgive us for the ways in which we feel awkward for not giving to the poor so we don't even look them in the eye and we treat them as less than human. Forgive us for the ways in which we aren't thinking about how we can honor you by caring for the poor, but we're thinking about all the additions to our house, our toys, and our fun that we can add to our lives. Lord, give us your heart and help us, God, that when we step into this, that we don't give into the temptation of self-righteousness, nor give into the temptation of idolizing other people's approval. Help us to know and believe that everything we want when it comes to acceptance has already been given to us through you in Jesus Christ. God, thank you for that immense kind of love and help us to live a generous life. Amen.